Welcome back to another episode of Sweat and Bullets, a bulletproof fantasy football podcast. I am your host, DF Bean Counter. You can follow me on Twitter at DF Bean Counter. With me, as always, is Jacob Sanderson. You can follow him literally at Jacob Sanderson. You will have no issues finding him whatsoever. You can search his name. You can search his handle. It's the same thing. So it's really easy to find Jacob, virtually all platforms. How are you doing? It's pretty easy to find. I'm doing good, man. Been a while here for the Sweat and Bullets Fantasy Football Podcast. I feel like we're kind of in the dog days of Dynasty. Like this is kind of when everybody kind of takes a break in Dynasty a little bit because you're, you're grinding, grinding, grinding all the way through the season. Then you like take a breath for one second. Then you're grinding all the pre-draft process. Then it's the actual NFL draft. Everybody's doing the rookie drafts. Finally now people are like, ah, oh, right, free agency. Now it's like, okay, you know, people are kind of chilling out a little bit. OTA is just starting. Now we're grinding what this the supplemental is, draft. The supplemental draft, yes. Is that I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a couple supplemental Debbie drafts right now. Oh, oh, you mean the supplemental, like actual NFL, the supplemental NFL draft? Is, like isn't it called Pryor the supplemental draft. where Terrell Pryor got drafted? Yeah, that, and we both just and Josh the same Gordon, name. I think, didn't we? Yeah, Josh Gordon too. Yeah, yeah, like there's some studs. Brian Bosworth. Like anybody who's gonna have like a thousand yards for the Cleveland Browns is coming out of the supplemental draft. <laughs> and and who wears twelve? And where's 12? These are the these are the facts. Yeah, so if you want to draft someone in the supplemental draft, it, you have to send them to the Browns. They have to work 12, otherwise they're not going to have success. Um, but I have been doing supplemental Debbie drafts, and my God, is there anything more depressing than like the fifth round of a supplemental Debbie draft? And you're like, <laughs> I really want to do anything else right now, but instead I'm on 247sports.com, like Command F, the like 2026 tight end recruits. <laughs> it's glorious i mean that's when you playing debbie until you're doing that that's when you start to wonder like will i ever have sex (laughs) that would be (laughs) top of mind i would imagine yeah like there's there's like there's viagra and then like whatever the opposite of viagra is is like hmm like i'm not sure which four star freshman tight end i think has a better chance to be a move tight end in the nfl yeah yeah. yeah, it's tough. It's tough to justify. Um, but during the dog days of Dynasty that we are in, uh, what tends to happen a lot is that I just call them days, like blank days, where all of a sudden some person fires off some tweet, some other person gets angry about that tweet, and then all of a sudden it, it becomes a day, right? For For anybody who has had the displeasure of being on Dynasty Twitter recently, they know that it was Travis Etienne slash Tank Bigsby Day recently. We had a little bit of a Chigakonkwo Day situation. Uh, we've had, you know, several days pop up. Uh, if you were on Dynasty Twitter last year, it was usually just Gabriel Davis Day every day. It was every every day was Gabriel Davis Day. Um, there's there's rarely a reprieve. So Drew has been hibernating uh, through this. Made a good choice. He has not been on Twitter. He's, he's been so off Twitter that before he recorded this show, I actually informed him that DeAndre Hopkins was released. He wasn't aware that DeAndre Hopkins was a free agent. It was glorious. I, I don't think I've ever been more excited in my life. That was, uh, it was like, um, how do you describe it? It was, it was like delayed reaction, I guess. Because yeah. like, how long did this happen? Right, because I was like, okay, one of the topics for today will be DeAndre Hopkins landing spots. And you're like, landing spots? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, <laughs> is he getting traded? Yeah. Um, 
Anyhow, so this is the theme of this episode is here's what Drew missed on Twitter. So we're going to talk about some of the top, hot topics and circulating the rounds. I'm sure that we're going to go on tangents like we always do. Um, but we'll start with that. We'll start with DeAndre Hopkins, currently a free agent, no longer an Arizona Cardinal. And this has kind of started off a whole big branch of stuff. Because first, what do we do with DeAndre Hopkins? Is this good? Is this bad? Where would he go? If he goes somewhere... How does that hurt a lot of the logical type of players that we were potentially anticipating breakouts for on those teams? And then what's left with the Cardinals? First off, a lot of targets left for a lot of wide receivers that can't ride roller coasters. And then also, like, what does this mean about Kyler Murray? Like, are they fully tanking? Is Kyler actually going to play this year? So let's talk through all these ramifications of the Cardinals. First off, DeAndre Hopkins, one of the greatest wide receivers of our little mini generation here currently going off the board at the 812 96th overall wide receiver 38 overall in dynasty what are your thoughts on deandre hopkins and just how high do you think the ceiling could be if he gets the right landing spot i think he could be the wide receiver one like i think he's, he's certainly in his range of outcomes he he literally had a 29.4 percent target share at last year which is number four in the world like that's not like four years ago this happened. Like literally the last time we saw him playing football, which was the last time anybody played football, he had a 29.4% target share. He is still a bona fide alpha. He could walk onto virtually any team and simply eat all of the targets. And uh, that's pretty exciting. So I'm, I've been buying DeAndre Hopkins. I will continue to be buying DeAndre Hopkins. And wherever he lands, I will be very concerned about whomever is uh you know the collateral damage in that situation it's gonna suck yeah it is pretty crazy that deandre hopkins like we just said it goes at the very end of the eighth round right here's some of the players that go around uh where mr hopkins is drafted right we're talking about zach charbonnets devin chains will levis's right so we're basically basically we're talking about guys that go at the one two turn in your rookie drafts that's where deandre hopkins is going if you scroll up Wide receivers that are within a year of DeAndre Hopkins in age and posted pretty similar target shares last year. Uh, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, both going in round four of startups, right? You're looking at the opportunity cost of them is effectively a Drake London, a Josh Jacobs, a TJ Hawkinson, a Ramondre Stevenson, Christian Watson, whoever you like, right? These are guys that are going ahead of uh, mid-first round rookie picks going right alongside Jack Smith and Jigba ahead of Addison and Johnston. And I wouldn't even necessarily say that Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams are overrated. I, I don't even think that they are, actually. Um, but I think that DeAndre Hopkins has been a pretty massive buy this offseason. It is notable, at least to me, that he was released, right? Like, to me, that signals at least somewhat that NFL decision makers are seeing something that he might not be the most explosive or impactful wide receiver anymore that nobody wanted to even do the fifth round trade to get him on his, his contract that they did for Amari Cooper last year. But at the same time, like the other was on a Cardinals team that ran almost entirely 11 personnel that always had running backs out in a route. And he was still dominating targets last year. And I think if it wasn't for the Kyler Murray injuries towards the end of last year, and he didn't become so brutally inefficient with, sub replacement level quarterbacks to kind of finish off his year. 
I, I think we'd probably be even more excited about DeAndre Hopkins, right? Like, I think that kind of sours the taste in our mouth. I'll tell you where DeAndre Hopkins is probably not going. It's probably not going to a terrible team, right? Like, what teams are going to be looking to sign a 31-year-old wide receiver? Probably good teams. Probably good teams that need wide receivers. Uh, And there's a lot of good teams that need wide receivers. Most notably, the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Why do the Bills need a wide receiver? You know, they need someone to play in the slot, probably. Probably someone to compete with Khalil Shakir for reps. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at teams, right? It's pretty notable. Bill's currently rolling out Gabriel Davis as their excellent receiver. The Chiefs are probably rolling out either Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Rasheed Rice as their ex-wide receiver. The Browns are currently rolling out Donovan Peoples-Jones as their ex-wide receiver. All those teams obviously have a pretty pretty substantial opportunity for upgrade at their X wide receiver position. All have top quarterbacks, all have potential Super Bowl aspirations this year, all have rumored connections to DeAndre Hopkins. What would be your favorite DeAndre Hopkins landing spot? I think say for Hopkins, right? Really? Yeah. Do you think that would be the best? I mean, that would, it's like one of the only teams in the NFL. He wouldn't be the best wide receiver on. Yeah, but it would crush Gabriel Davis, and that would make me. Oh, smile. is that just your favorite for the memes? Like, that's not your favorite for Hopkins. You just, you're just like, yeah, no, that's my favorite memes. Like, I just want to watch the world burn, and there's nothing more <laughs> glorious than Gabriel Davis getting punted two years in a row, once by himself, and the other time by someone just considerably better than him. So, I mean, the the best spot for him from like his own standpoint is probably just the Chiefs, right? Like, it's probably that boring. Oh, yeah, it's definitely the Chiefs. Like, the best spot for any wide receiver in football is the Chiefs. Yeah, there, there's no better landing spots than playing with Patrick Mahomes. I think I think it makes a lot of sense that he go to the Browns, though. Like they have Deshaun yeah. Watson. I presume him and Hopkins are friends, and uh, Amari Cooper is a fake alpha. So I think they'll they're probably aware of that now. And DeAndre or uh, Donovan Peoples Jones is obviously a joke, so we can give up that that uh, that dream. And then, like, unfortunately, that would nuke my dude Elijah Moore, and I would be sad. Is that pun then. intended? What's that? You said he would nuke Elijah Moore. Oh, yeah. No, that was not intended. It was just a happy no, accident. just that good. <laughs> I'm just feeling it, man. I'm back. <laughs> wow. Back at the saddle. And uh, you said yeah, that, like, but there was no, like, twinkle in your eye. So I was like, were you just being that subtle about your joke? Or did you not even know it was a joke? <laughs> Yeah, so like I think the Browns makes a lot of sense, and uh, yeah, but like the Chiefs is easily the best spot. Uh, yeah, plus, like, I think Travis Kelsey could like fantasy football wise die at any moment. He may not be alive on Sunday, so like I, I mean Kelsey's to be fair, so could DeAndre Hopkins. That's true, but <laughs> Amari Cooper is probably not going to not be around on Sunday. He's probably still got another yeah. few Sundays left. I, I here's my only take with the Browns situation is like. With Hopkins, I, I do think a part of it is the chemistry factor. Like, I, I'm willing to buy in. Like, Hopkins is still awesome. I am willing to buy in a little bit, though, that he's become more limited. Like, you look at some of the reception perception charts. You look at how NFL teams have voted with their feet, if you say, by not trading for him. Some of the quotes that have been leaked out about him. And just, like, general intuition about DeAndre Hopkins being a not very fast, now fairly old wide receiver. Like, I don't know that he's necessarily going to be a guy who's going to be a dynamic, explosive player. I don't know that he's ever even really been a particularly explosive player, probably less so now that he's going to be 31 and has had some severe knee injuries. Um, 
I think Are with the Patriots not calling for him. Yeah, there is some rumored interest with the Patriots. I, I mean, to me, the stumbling block I can't get over with the Patriots is like he's gonna play for Bill O'Brien, really. Oh yeah, I, I never even put that together. I was just thinking like they always sign the old aging veteran wide receiver about to die. Yeah, like they have been rumored. I, I just like I mean Hawkins was so notably anti Bill O'Brien. Anti Bill O'Brien that I just can't yeah. see like him being like, I want to play for Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator. Like that just would surprise yeah. me. But maybe Belichick just goes to him and is like, Look, I promise you, you're never gonna have to talk to Bill. You're only gonna talk to Bill. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> the, the other thing that's interesting to note is that he was not on Aaron Rodgers' wish list. Yeah, that's true. So Jets are probably ruled out. Yeah, I would actually like him to go to the Jets because it would be really cool if Garrett Wilson could be like acquirable. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> that would be sick. No, but my point with, with him is I think so much of his game is like predicated on trust in the sense that like he's uh, – would it be he's hyperbolic to say he open. might be the best contested catch wide receiver ever? Like he's, he's, he would be in the like top five, right? Like he's one of those – like that's just so much of his – master skills like you just throw it up and he's gonna have the subtle adjustments to be able to get in the right spot like to me i could see a scenario where even if he's a little bit cooked which is possible right we've talked about the adam harstad like marble theory where basically wide receivers are like great they're great they're great they're still the exact same level for fantasy at least and then they just die and hopkins is in the age where he could die at any moment but if he doesn't die he's probably going to be the same it's not really a gradual decline I yeah. see with Watson, it's like, even if he's like a little bit cut, like Watson then will just have so much trust in him that he's just going to throw it up to him and, and just trust it. And to me, that's like important. I, I think his floor really gets secure with the Browns. I like the Brown spot. And yeah, Amari Cooper, like he had a renaissance here last year. It was, I think his highest target share of his life. I think it was his highest target sprout run of his life too. Yeah. The, the Browns like, Browns were a really favorable environment for wide receivers to put up target earning last year. They ran a ton of 12 personnel. And Harrison Bryant, that means Harrison Bryant is on the field, right? And he's either running a route and not being targeted or he's just path blocking. And so that's just a huge advantage to any other wide receiver or tight end who's in a route where you have Nick Chubb who just doesn't get targeted really ever. And you have Harrison Bryant who's pass blocking or never he's being also targeted. not getting targeted ever. Right. So almost every route is like going to one of three players, right? And it was usually Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, or Njoku. And, and I just think that boosts all of their target earning numbers beyond what they actually are as a target earner. You look at them this year, Elijah Moore is now you know on the team. They draft Cedric Tillman in the third round. They still have David Bell kicking around. I think this is a team that's going to want to play in 11 a lot more frequently. We had quotes about them wanting to play in, in 11 and even experimenting with 10 personnel. They would even further that um inclination if they go out and sign deandre hopkins amari cooper is two years removed from having a sub 20 percent target share um i don't think that he got better at football in the last two years so I, I think that it's pretty easy to envision hopkins walking into cleveland taking over 25 percent of the targets and cooper uh, doing about what cooper did two years ago being an 18 19 type target share guy david and joku being a 15 percent type target share guy elijah moore playing in three wide receiver sets only. Don Peoples-Jones playing literally never. <laughs> Seems like best case scenario for everyone involved. I, I mean, yeah, tough, tough break for Elijah Moore. Uh, we'll say, I mean, Deshaun Watson would be one of the more odious people alive, but quite, quite the pick at ADP in that scenario. Yeah. 
It's uh, I'm just going through the depth charts here, and I'm like, there's not really anywhere else that I'm like, oh yeah, they got a good team and need a wide receiver. It's kind of just those guys. Right. I mean, people have brought up the Ravens, but like, I think that the Ravens actually are kind of set at wide receiver now, right? I mean, Bateman's good still. They just drafted Zay Flowers in the first. I don't know if OBJ is any good, but they gave him twenty freaking million dollars, so <laughs> presumably they, they think he is good, right? They, they at least have high hopes for it. Um, and yeah. they're probably going to want to play a little in 12, right? Like Isaiah likely is pretty good. So anyway, yeah. um, uh, I think that that's it for Hopkins. We're, we're probably buying Hopkins, um, you know, at least to some extent. I'm curious to see what his ADP does, if he does go to somewhere like the Bills or the Chiefs. Um, I wouldn't even care. Like, I feel like he's so far undervalued that it wouldn't even matter yeah. to me. Like, he's never going to get to where he should be at ADP, and therefore I'm just going to continue buying no matter where it gets to. Yeah, fair enough. That's definitely fair enough. Um, what do you make of the remaining Cardinals wide receivers? So we have Marquise Brown certainly is, is definitely raising the value, which is kind of silly because the Hopkins was always going to be leaving the Cardinals. So I don't really know why we're reacting to this now, but Marquise Brown wide receiver 34, 801. Rondale Moore is quite a scroll down the board. Wide receiver 64, 1407. And obviously Michael Wilson and Greg Dortch are basically free. I think Rondell Moore becomes like a like an absolute smash. Like you, you pretty much have to roster Rondell at this point. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's like in a win year year league per se, but I think he's going to gain a ton of value this year. And uh, you might as well just have it on your roster and then get it off your roster at the end of the year. And, and or maybe Rondell is is special, and we fi- and we finally see it. But uh, like if you look at his stats, like it's wild. He had. Pardon me. He had like eight targets a game or more in like pretty near all of his games last year, which I don't know. Like we don't know what the offense will be, but like the the really cool coach was doing like the explosion thing. That was at Rondale, wasn't it? Like explosion. Yeah, whatever he was doing. It was really cool. I know that much. And it was I'm yeah. pretty sure directed at Rondale Moore. And ergo, I believe that he thinks that Rondale Moore is explosive and yeah. that's probably that's a pretty reasonable inclusion it's a pretty reasonable yeah. conclusion yeah like i i am grasping at straws to to put that together but i think it's i think i might be onto something so and like if you look at it like his his target share was like 19.4 percent or somewhere thereabouts in like nine games which is great yeah. or eight games sorry eight games he played eight games but one of those games he played like one route and then got hurt so it, when you have a really small sample and you have a really outlier sample within that really small sample, it really skews the data. I, I haven't checked, but I would imagine that his target share in the games in which he played greater than 1% of the routes is like... Probably higher. Really, really quite impressive. Yeah. I bet it's probably... And his, and his eight is still absurd, but it, it was like a little bit less of a meme this year. Like he... I wouldn't say that he became a real wide receiver... But I would say that he's at least if he was a running back, he would have really impressive usage for a running back. He would be the best running back usage in football if he was a running back. Like he yeah, so his eight off this year is five point three, which is like obviously ridiculous for a wide receiver. But the previous year he was down at three point three. He had a <laughs> he had a six percent air yard share. Um, he had a sixteen percent air yard share this year. So he went from being like basically just a gadget player to a somewhat plausibly normal slot wide receiver, which brings about yeah. my question on the Rondell thing. 
Um, if the Cardinals get Zach Ertz back healthy at this point and they get Trey McBride developing this year, we can talk about McBride too if you want to. Pretty decent chance that they might run at least a little bit more 12 personnel, especially Dave Petzing, who's their offensive coordinator, comes from Cleveland, the team that we just talked about running 12 personnel all the time. Um, if they want to run in 12 personnel, who the fuck plays um, X wide receiver for the Cardinals? Because Marquise Brown presumably is playing Z. Um, obviously, you'd expect no Rondell to be the slot in Zach Ertz. the wide receiver set. That's who. <laughs> The candidates, here's the Cardinals depth chart right now, okay? Here's what we got. Arizona Cardinals wide receiver depth chart. We have Marquise Brown. We have Rondale Moore. We have Greg Dorch. That's probably their three most talented wide receivers, and they're all 5'8 or lower. Um, <laughs> beyond that, we have Michael Wilson, Zach Paschal, Andre Bacellia, which I assume is an Andy, is Andy Isabella impersonation band. Daniel Arias, Auden Tate, Javon Wims, Brian Cobbs. So my question is, like, are they going to ever play a three-wide receiver set of Rondell, Dorch, Brown? Or, like, is Michael Wilson going to be running 100% of the routes this year? Is Zach Paschal going to play? Will Auden Tate finally have his moment? Like, what's, what's the situation here? Former camp MVP Auden Tate is in line, I would say. <laughs> right. By the way, I learned he was on the Cardinals when I looked up the depth chart online. I didn't know that two minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, last I heard he was with the Falcons, I think. Sounds about right. I think he I think he might have eaten Brian Edwards' lunch. I could be wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brian Edwards, I think, is actually, I don't know, he was with the Chiefs most recently. <laughs> wow. Remember Brian Edwards' season? That was wild. It was a short season. It was like one overtime, basically. Yeah, it was like two games long and only really like long the last two-minute warning. Yeah, uh, pretty sick. Um, but yeah, your question: Who the? Who, if you had to guess, like who's who's playing wide receiver for the Cardinals? Th- nobody that matters. <laughs> Nobody's playing. Do you think like, do you do you think like they're going to actually line up with a formation that includes Rondale and Marquise and Dorch? Like at any point, like is that something viable? Or or I guess or. Or I guess you don't really probably care about Dorch. Nobody cares about Dorch. But like the better question is, if there's two wide receivers on the field at any point, is one of them Rondale? Yeah. That to me is the difference between like this guy is like a decent round 15 best ball pick, and this is a guy we should actually acquire. Yeah. No, I think he's on the field. Like I, nobody else. No, it's it's him. Yeah, I think it's probably not him. But I also think that Michael Wilson is such an egregiously bad prospect. <laughs> that I like don't even care if he runs every route. Like I, I think that if he runs every route, he's probably going to see like a 12% targets per route run because he's like uniquely bad as a prospect, right? Like it's a five-year player who is literally never productive. Um, like it's rough. To, to me, he has like the, to me, if, if Michael Wilson was undrafted, he probably wouldn't have made my top five UDFAs to add off waivers. I wonder if Michael Wilson has better stats if you look at per game numbers. No, you doesn't. don't actually. Somebody asked and he doesn't. Oh. Ooh. Um, yeah, he has like he did miss a couple games of injury, but he wasn't productive in the games that he played either. And what people always forget is that like when you look at the per game chart, now all of a sudden everybody gets to be per game, right? Yeah. So the thresholds now become way higher, right? Yeah. <laughs> because everybody's stats would be better with per game. So it's like, yes, Michael Wilson's stats look better per game, 
so do everyone else's. If you like chart out Michael Wilson's per game stats versus the trend line. I just like, kind of feel like if you were going to do it though, you would just do it only for Michael Wilson and then compare right, well, then he it to everyone else's full season stats. It's true. And then I think you're I think you're okay. Like I think I think he's not that bad. If you if you just like commit, you know, a capital crime in data analysis, <laughs> like you could you could paint this the right way. It's possible. It's all it possible. Um, yeah, Mike Wilson sucks. Um, <laughs> Good recap. What about Trey McBride? How, where are you at on Trey McBride? So Trey McBride is interesting. I'm like, I'm legitimately conflicted on how I feel about Trey McBride. And we're gonna, how about this? We're gonna transit. We're gonna talk about Trey McBride. The very next topic on my show sheet, by the way, is a battle of two tight ends who were a day on Twitter: Dulcich and Shigakonkwo. Trey McBride, also a member of that top three from last year's uh, tight end class, at least today's top three of it. They all go in a pretty similar range of the draft because right now you have Greg Dulcich. Tight end 16, Chickaconquo, tight end 17, Trey McBride, tight end 18. What are your thoughts on Trey McBride, and do you like him better than either of those two tight ends that he goes right in front of? So I think that I actually got Trey McBride wrong last year, uh, which kind of makes me sad because I I ended up with a lot of Trey McBride. (laughs) Mm. Uh, Basically, I was really over counting production at the the tight end position uh, in prospecting. And not counting uh, athleticism as much as I should, or at least not the high-end athleticism, which mm-hmm. McBride is like a fine athlete, but he's not a great athlete. He's just yeah. like whatever. He's yeah. And then he's not a senior. He, he is a senior, rather. He was not an early declarer. And then like he wasn't drafted that highly, even though he was drafted in the second round. And it's just like, I don't know. Like, there's just not that many good players that look like this. Like, we're talking like Tony Scheffler is like the dude. Like, that's not exciting. John U. Smith is like a doppelganger. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just not that exciting. Like, we got, if you look at only players drafted, let's say rounds two, three, and four, and then you look yeah. at Trey McBride's profile, he comes out to like, like twenty-seven dudes. Three of them have hit a single top 12 season. And these are like productive guys that were drafted like moderately good that were seniors. And that's just not very exciting. So I've, I've kind of done a 180 on McBride and I, I've kind of just, I'm just not that into him. And I'm sorry. I've led you down a path of, of peril. I, I originally said going to get Trey McBride. I'm backtracking like a coward. Now, that, yeah, now yeah. that the rubber hits the road, I'm backtracking like a coward. And I, I'm just not that into him. I'm sorry. Like, there's a whole movie about being not that into him. Like, it's yeah. a book, actually, a book and a movie. They, 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 it, it was so powerful as a book, they adapted it to a movie. And here we are, not being that into Trey McBride. Yeah. So I hate to see that. Uh, I agree with you. I think, like, the, I mean, the case for the problem with the case for McBride is that. It's entirely based in prospect profile. And then the portion of the prospect profile is entirely production because he was terrible as a rookie for the most part. 
and there doesn't really have that much going for him outside of production as a prospect. And then the bigger issue with that is that like of all of the four positions, prospect profile probably has the weakest signal at tight end. And then of all of the four positions, production makes up the smallest part of the prospect profile at tight end. Right. So it's like of all of the types of players that you would want to be like, trust the prospect profile because he's really productive a tight end would be the one that you would be least inclined to do that for. Right. It's yeah. like, we don't really care. Act like tight end is a position where the prospect profile is, is pretty shaky. Like guys that should suck hit kind of all the time. And specifically guys who are drafted high kind of bust and guys who are drafted low hit and guys who are really productive, not always great. And guys who aren't very productive, sometimes they're good. So to me, it's like of any position, I'm the most willing to shift my priors fairly rapidly at tight end. Um, and, and so with McBride, like, yeah, I think we should stay busy. And that, to me, like, I like both. I have both Chig and Dulcich a, a full tier ahead of Trey McBride in my rankings. Oh, um, I certainly don't have Chig ahead. That's that's that's. Well, we're going to talk about Chig because I, I I'm going to play the middle ground on Chig between you and the community at large. Uh, <laughs> Trey McBride was not good last year. Um, I'm I'm mildly intrigued, right? But I, I also think like. We've been doing the thing with Zach Ertz we've been doing for a while. Maybe we're going to be right this time. I'm not super sure. We're like, for, I would say the last five years, it's been more convenient to assume Zach Ertz dead than to assume that he's alive. Um, and so we've chosen to do so, but he, he, yet he has lived, right? Like we were doing this with Goddard before. Where it was like, well, if we just assume that Zach Ertz doesn't exist, but then he kept existing. And then last year, we're kind of assuming he didn't exist, that he very much existed. Um this year we fully assumed he doesn't exist. Like he's like going like, I don't know, probably around 70. Um, what if he's just like healthy by week four and they're like, he's our starting tight end. Like that doesn't seem implausible to me. He was like actually better than McBride was last year. So I don't know. Um, the other thing with McBride too, it's like if he sucks this year, he's just stone zero in value, right? Yeah. He's got no value retention left and he probably will suck because it's probably not going to be a good year in, in Arizona this year. <laughs> Yeah, on the bright side, his best games were um, were with the shittiest quarterbacks because he was really good at running five yard stick routes, which was what Trace McSorley could throw. And David Blau, I think his best game was with David Blau. I mean, his best game, yeah, like that's because Ertz got hurt. Like, if Ertz yeah. didn't get hurt, we'd be talking about we'll, we'll have like a Laquan Laquan Treadwell rookie or highlight package for Trey McBride. If Zach well, an important thing to note is that like the sample of Zach Ertz was better than the sample of McBride without Ertz, right? Like, like it's not like McBride came in, took Ertz's role and was better. It was like McBride came in, took Ertz's role and was worse than Zach Ertz. Who's a 32 year old dust ball. Yeah. Right? That's not encouraging. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a soft no on Trey McBride. Um, I'm back. You have Kyler Murray. You don't have two other or three other starting quarterbacks ready to rock in his replacement. You have your own pick this year. Basically, your choices are you can trade Kyler Murray, you could tank, or you can uh, keep Kyler Murray and try to find a way to keep contending. What what are kind of the ways that you're generally approaching this? Well, the teams in which I roster Kyler Murray in all the metaverse, I would never have traded him. That would be the, the like the one thing Doctor Strange would have never seen is me trading Kyler Murray. So I'm not trading Kyler Murray under any circumstance. 
unless of course somebody's going to drastically overpay and like give me Josh Allen. Like I'll take Josh Allen for Kyler Murray. That's that's on the table. League yeah. mates, if you're listening, oh. just send over your Patrick Mahomes yeah, and I'll sure. give you Kyler. That is possible, sure but that is where we draw the line. Sure that's freely available. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not trading. I don't really care what else the rest of my team looks like. It's not happening. If I need to compete despite Kyler Murray being on my team, I'll find a different way. There's other quarterbacks out there. I'll start a wide receiver in my quarterback slot. If it's a super flex league, I will I will make it happen without trading Kyler Murray. So Good for you. just to recap. Stand, take a stand on principle. Under no circumstances are you to trade Kyler Murray to anyone unless they give you Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts. You could also, if you want to trade Kyler Murray and get Jalen Hurts, I'm fine with it. All right. Uh, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm not looking to trade um, Kyler Murray at all. I think he's probably, uh, I mean, Maybe I wouldn't say the most mispriced player in Dynasty, but I think he's like the most consequentially mispriced player in Dynasty. Just if you factor in like the gravity of him being mispriced versus like a guy that's like, he should go in round eight, but he goes in round 12. Like doesn't really matter as much. Um, He's the most mispriced in like the top of the ADP. Like of guys in the first three rounds, he's the most mispriced player. He's, he is by far the cheapest player. Well, maybe Kyle Pitts is, but it's, it's either Murray or Pitts. I would say is like the cheapest player who I think there's like a greater, then 50% chance is going to provide you league winning upside within the fairly foreseeable future. Um, so I'm definitely in on, on Kyler and I would choose any other option other than trading him away. Yeah. I think with Kyler, you know, it depends what the rest of your team looks like. Obviously my, my favorite guys right now, five Kyler Murray, I'm paying for Aaron Rodgers. I'm paying for Matthew Stafford. Uh, if hopefully you get through this year, I think Rogers in particular, like the, the drop off from Murray Rogers, it's definitely a drop off, but I don't think it's like team debilitatingly massive. And then if Rogers retires on your team and dies, like whatever value you will have put into acquiring Rogers or Stafford will probably be made up and more so by the difference between Kyler's value currently and Kyler's value when he's at full health and he's producing again. Um, and I think like, I don't know when it became a thing that Kyler Murray is a bad real life quarterback. He's like not. I don't know when that became like a common um, take, but Colin Murray was the first overall pick with an exemplary prospect profile. He was then like a bad quarterback as a rookie, but not bad for a rookie quarterback. He was like bad in the generic way that every rookie quarterback was bad. And for rookie quarterbacks, he was pretty good. And then in his second year, he was like a league average quarterback, which is pretty darn good for a second year quarterback. And he did it in a way that scored a lot of fantasy points. And then in his third year, he was like literally one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL in like a very real life way. And I feel then like he's a fourth year candidate to like, yeah. to like week 11 or something. Yeah. Hey, look, you can't be sports McGee just when it suits your interests, right? Let's I, not no, do I that can. until That's week 11. Pa- like that is the power we hold as data analysts is that we pick when and how to use splits <laughs> to <laughs> our advantage. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's another Spider-Man, was, th- Spider-Man thing. Like we we have great power, and uh, you know, <laughs> however that saying goes, <laughs> with great splits comes great responsibility. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, but whatever, you don't even need to split his his season into two uh, two because he was just verifiably great in his third year. Yeah, um, he was great real life quarterback, great fantasy quarterback. Um, despite suffering an injury partway through that year, uh, and then in year four he was not very good, and the entire team was non functional and whatever. But hey, I don't see anything sustainably wrong with Kyler. I think, like, they, to, to me, there's, like, two main concerns with Kyler that are 
or I'll say three concerns with Kyler that are actually real. One is that he's injured. That's obviously a very real concern. You cannot play him in your quarterback slot, and he deserves to be valued less because of it. Um, no way around that. Other issues, like the Cardinals are a total joke of an organization at the moment, and they might be competing for the number one overall pick without Kyler Murray. And if they get the number one overall pick, they probably should trade Kyler Murray and take Caleb Williams because they're frankly in a place where it'd be better off taking a surefire rookie quarterback on a rookie quarterback contract than paying Kyler at best fair value. Um, I don't see that as a massive issue. Kyler Murray is like demonstrated to be a good NFL quarterback. He will have trade interests. Teams will want him. Like teams will actively want him and he'll score a lot of fantasy points because he's always scored a lot of fantasy points. And is it that bad to get away from the Cardinals? <laughs> like, I think that's probably good to get away from the Cardinals. They're one of the worst run organizations in professional sports. <laughs> um, so I think that's probably a net plus uh, for, for him in any case. Um, and then the other concern about Kyler Murray, I, I, I guess, is that they think he likes playing video games too much. But I, I don't feel like he just started playing video games. Like, he probably played video games his whole life. It's never stopped him from being an exceptionally good quarterback to this point. So I don't personally give a fuck. Um, yeah, do you have a take? No, I'm fine with his video game playing. If it, uh, <laughs> if it hasn't stopped him now, it probably won't. I think, I think, uh, one of the things I'll touch on, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford, who I think are like fine acquisitions. I'm, I'm not like over the moon about them. The guy that I'd actually probably be looking for though is Ryan Tannehill because he's like, yeah, but he's probably years. not locked into 17 starts this year. Yeah, maybe not. I think he's probably going to start a lot of games, though. At least he, he's going to start until Kyler Murray starts, probably. Well, I think that's the other concern is, um, like, what if they just don't play Kyler all year? I think that's a pretty real concern. I, I don't mean real as in, like, that's what's going to happen. It's just the whole basis of, like, when does Kyler play and if he plays this year is based in a mix of medical concerns and speculating as to the motivation of the team and player and I don't have any expertise in any of those areas. So I'm just like shrugging, right? It's like, people are like, Kyler's not going to play this year. People are like, Kyler will play this year. I don't know. I don't really have a take on it. I would say that if you have Kyler Murray, I think you should be prepared for the possibility that he doesn't play this year. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I would probably say he's going to play football. Like, it's just, it's so odd and rare that we would see a healthy football player not playing football. Like, I, I just can't really see that happening. Uh, like, sure, he could be so injured that he never gets to play. Or or maybe what we've seen in the past is that players are healthy and they just say that they're injured. The team says or they say that they're injured so they don't have to play. I don't really know how that all works. But I can't think of a single time where I've seen an NFL player deemed to be healthy, very good at football, and not on the football field. Like, I, I just I can't see – I can't remember a time that's happened. Yeah. And unless you want to cut Lamar Jackson last year. I guess I guess that's a time that it happened, but that was the players doing and he says he was not healthy. So right. maybe Kyler could do yeah. that. So Who knows? Situation. And and I mean that wasn't obviously like that wasn't the Ravens choosing to tank, right? So very different no. situation. Ravens No, they were very much trying to win football. They were games. a playoff team. Yeah. Um I don't know. I think it could happen. I mean, I think it's like probably the optimal move. It's just that I mean, the one thing that gives me pause, like, but I don't even know in which direction. Like, the one thing that's just weird is it's really weird to me that the Cardinals have not added a legitimate quarterback option. Like, they currently have Colt McCoy and Clayton Toon. 
Is it, um, isn't Colt McCoy a legitimate quarterback option? No. Um, like, I just assumed, I assumed that they would, like, sign a, you know, a Brissett or a Heineke or a Teddy Bridgewater or a Baker or a Carson Wentz, like one of these guys who's, like, either, like, kind of high-end, backup-y, fringe starter-y type of player, and then they would hold down the fort for for Kyler and potentially start the entire season if that's the way it went. Um, to me, you can take it one of two ways, right? You can either be like, oh, they haven't invested all in the quarterback position because they're expecting Kyler to be sooner than later. I think that's probably unlikely. I think what it might signal is that they're like, no, actually, we really do want to lose a lot of games this year. <laughs> like, we are A-okay with losing all of the games this year. Like, we're so okay with losing that we're totally fine with shamelessly starting Colt McCoy as our week one quarterback while Teddy Bridgewater is currently unemployed. I mean, I feel like there's a chance and I could be wrong, but like sometimes teams just start bad quarterbacks. Like I've seen a lot of talk that Brock Purdy might be starting football games this year Oh come on, on purpose. Come on. This isn't a good faith comment by you. This is a bad faith comment. <laughs> well, like, like I, I don't know. Cole McCoy sucks. Who cares? It doesn't really matter. It's it is hard to believe that they haven't signed like a Teddy Bridgewater. Like that seems like the logical thing to do. He's a good locker room guy allegedly, and he's competent at football. He's not great, uh, but he's he can play football. I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if they like trade for like Drew Locke or something like that, and Drew Locke ends up starting football games or right, you know, like something along those lines. Or like, I mean, I guess like they drafted Clayton Tune, so like they could always just like play him, right? I mean, I mean, he's almost assuredly horrible, but Brock Purdy played games last year. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> um, I mean, I think Tune gets Clayton in there eventually. Like, what, a fifth rounder? Yeah, five oh five. He, he can play yeah. football games. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that that's, that's two rounds ahead of Brock Purdy. That's true. That's true. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're a Cardinal fan, like you'd probably rather watch Clayton Toon play football on a one and ten team than Colt McCoy. <laughs> Clayton Toon is the number two most athletic quarterback in this draft class. I've just realized. Incredible. Courtesy of Player Profiler, they have this new thing. It says like QB position, 2023 class rank, just below the the normal stuff. He's number two. He's basically discount Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson could start football games this year. If we want to talk about bad football players starting football games, we have Anthony Richardson. We have Brock Purdy. We have Colt McCoy. Like, the league is full of it. So it's perfectly fine. All right. I, I wish you disconnected again before bringing up the <laughs> claims, but um, that'll wrap up the Cardinals portion. We teased it a little bit because we talked about Trey McBride. But I do want to get into Dulcich versus Chick. Uh, this was another day that you missed out on um, where we talked about would you rather have Chick or would you rather have Dulcich. It is really interesting <laughs> in that we have these two tight ends that are both in the same draft class that go literally back to back. They go uh, tight end 16, 17, not exactly back to back in overall. It's 1204 versus 1207, but more or less two young tight ends that have pretty much the exact same trade value which which one is your guy you know it's interesting because we just talked about Jeremy Broad and I was like I don't really like him like he, he just doesn't check a lot of these boxes that I'm looking for Greg Dolchich is the same guy 
And for the same reasons, I don't really like him as a prospect. But then when he played football in the NFL this year, he had a 17.2% target share, which is pretty freaking good for a rookie tight end. And then also had a 10.6 ADOT, which means that he was getting the ball way down the field. He's number three in the NFL among tight ends in average depth of target, which is incredible. So the Greg Dolchich rookie year has like propelled him into uh, something I'm excited about. I like I don't I'm not like you know pounding the table like Greg Greg Dolchich on your team. I I'm certain mm-hmm. he's awesome, but I'm like hey like if there's a guy that's gonna be awesome, I'm probably gonna bet on something like this, and then. Like he was, he wasn't even drafted that low. He was a third round pick. Right, he was a third round pick. He was productive. Fine. And what was interesting about him is like, I know that he wasn't a supreme. Athlete. He's got great like, hair again, and an awesome mustache. Don't forget he does that. Have great hair and an awesome mustache. Um, he does. Like I understand that he wasn't a supreme athlete. He he was a sufficient athlete. He was in that same kind of not Pretty incredible but not know. bad a- athlete class. But what was always interesting to me about Dolce just a prospect was that his profile got you the stuff that athleticism theoretically gets you, right? Like, why do we want yeah. tight end prospects who are athletic? Theoretically, it's because either they're really good after the catch or they can get downfield. And Dulcich got downfield. He got downfield throughout college at UCLA, and he got downfield last year um, as a rookie tight end. And so that's what's the most interesting to me is like, okay, sure, he doesn't run that fast at a straight line in Indianapolis in shorts or, or his pro day or whatever he did, but – he clearly has enough functional athleticism to the point that he had a freaking ADOT of 10.6, right? That's a wide receiver level ADOT. That's literally double Rondale Moore's ADOT. Ooh. That was number three among all tight ends, right? That's like five to five X Debo Samuel. Yeah. And then you add that to the fact that he has seven 17.2% target share, right? That's like, that's basically a wide receiver level. Like if, how much time have we spent talking about George Pickens and Jahan Dawson this offseason? Right? Yeah. They both had lower target shares than Greg Dulcich yeah. this year. Um, they both did it on higher route participation than Greg Dulcich. And uh, now higher ADOTs. But, like, again, we're talking about unlike some, like, drag route merchants. Like, Greg Dulcich is running real wide receiver routes, and he's seeing a real rookie wide receiver target share. And there should be some expectation for that to grow, right? So I think it's important that we be really bullish about Greg Dulcich. You never know with tight ends. Most of them don't matter. We see tight ends pop and then suck because they seem to be very scheme dependent and coaches are finicky with how they want to use certain tight ends. And I think Golsuch is undersized and he has blocking issues. But like if you were to make a case for what do you want to see out of a rookie tight end, I'd look at the guy with the mustache and the long hair. I'd be like, him, 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 him. That's what I want to see. So yeah, I'm in. Um, what do you say though to Chig who different profile he's a little shorter a little smaller wish i was a baller wish i was a little bit taller um i think i got that backwards anyway uh, <laughs> he was another guy where i to be entirely honest with you this is like very much i guess how i view the tight end position um can't say that i knew who chigozi mcconquo was before the nfl draft um that being said after drafts were finished, I looked him up and I saw that he was drafted in the fourth round and ran a four five two. And I said, that's good enough for me. And I put in a UDFA claim on him in every single one of my leagues and he became my most rostered player overnight. Uh, he goes on to lead all tight ends in yards per route run, obscenely high targets for route run. Uh, that being said, did it on just a representation of 30.3%. What do you make of Mr. Okonkwo? You're vocally 
against Mr. Okonkwo, I believe. I'm vocally against Mr. Okonkwo. I think uh, like he's small, and while he's fast, he's also not super athletic. Like he doesn't even hit my low tier Raz threshold. Well, that's entirely due to height, right? Like that's basically double counting height because he ran a four five two, so he's plenty fast. I don't care what his height. Do wasn't fast enough given. Well, you know, well, you do count. You do care about his height because it would be functionally impossible for him to be a great Raz score player when you're six foot two at tight end. He could run a four three three. Like, what's his name? What's the what's Vernon Davis? He could have Vernon Davis, but he wasn't. That's not my fault. That's his fault. So, right. I just want you to specify about what it is that you are angry about because you're not actually angry that he's slow. He's literally not slow. He ran a four five. Unathletic, extremely fast. But he's not. He's He's just short. He's He's not non-athletic. He's just short. He's a non-athlete. He's just. Have you seen his agility score? His agility yeah, score, agility is, score is very mediocre. And he's six foot yeah. two. Do you know how broken that is? Right. That's like probably a size adjusted agility score of like zeroth percentile. Which be. is really bad. It's very possible. That, yeah, like zeroth isn't like the top end. That's the bottom end of the percentiles. Right. So Do you, if, if you were to guess, Jacob Conquo is 6'2, 243. We just talked about his agility score, right? Mm-hmm. I want to name a tight end. Okay, you want to guess who this tight end is? This tight end is six foot two, two hundred and forty-two pounds. So the exact same height and one pound lighter, basically the exact same size. His agility score is eleven point six five, so point oh one worse, as in like higher. So just basically exact same height, exact same weight, exact same agility score. I'm gonna keep giving more clues. Do you want to guess now? I'll give one more clue if you're wrong. I don't know who it is. Well, I can't think name. of another tight end that's six foot two. Nile, N- Niles Paul. <laughs> I don't is know how you name? thought of that name. Like I have no idea how that name came into your brain, but no, that's not him. Uh, I'll give you the next hint. Uh, right, the next hint is that he ran a four six three, so he's actually slower than Chick, but he's still fast if you ignore that he's tiny. For for the record, Niles Paul is a phenomenal agility score. <laughs> Ninety okay. ninth percentile. So well, I was I'm way glad that, I'm one. glad that we clarified that so that Niles Paul is no longer just, disrespectful. Niles Paul's mom, if you're listening, just know that we know that Niles Paul was done dirty by the NFL. Okay. Okay. I don't know who you're talking about. Okay. Next clue. I'm going to make this easier. He was drafted with the 18th pick of the second round. I can't think of a six foot two tight end. That's Next good. clue. Oh, I don't Next clue. He is for. currently 24 years old and still in the NFL. He plays for the Cincinnati Bengals. His father had the same name that he did. <laughs> this is a tight end we're talking about? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, he shares a last name with a famous British rock band. <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles. <laughs> no, it's Irv Smith Jr. Oh, Irv Smith. Yeah, that's a great one. 6-2 on athletic. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I thought you were trying to come hits. up with a good tight end. I'm like, I can't think of no, any tight end. I was trying to come up with two. No, I'm telling you, this is like literally who Chick is. He's Irv Smith. Yeah, that's rough. That's not That's not a, a feather in your cap type of comp. No, Niles Paul, on the other hand, would have been exciting. 
only. Yeah, you could have. No, no one could have been in denials about Chigakonko in that case. Okay, but then also, like, he's also small and unathletic, and then he's also, like, for his size, he's unathletic. Right. And then also, he was a senior, and he was also unproductive, and he was also a fourth-round pick. Like, there's just not a lot to get excited about other than they threw to him at an incredible rate when he was on the field, but they didn't put him on the field because he's not very good. So just, it, I just, and, and then furthermore, if we're like, hey, let's find a tight end that's going to smash, the Tennessee Titans aren't the team I'm going to go to. Like, absolutely not. So I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm not that excited about Chica Conway. I think he's very, very likely to be completely irrelevant by next offseason. Yeah, I mean, I actually don't think he'll be, like, irrelevant in the NFL sense in that I think he's, like, quite a useful player. Um, yeah, he's like He was Irv really, Smith. really good in his role. No, he's better than Irv Smith. Irv Smith actually sucks. Like, Irv Smith's bad. But I, I do think that... Um, I'm not sure if we can have any definitive conclusion that Chica Conquay, Conquay, we don't think we have any conquo. definitive conclusion that Chig is good at football either. Uh, no, I think like if you are a rookie tight end and you post over two yards for outrun, you're a useful NFL player. That's the rule. But what about the sample size? Right, the sample size is tiny. This is the thing. Chig Conquo basically size has is one thing. Than he is right. Okay, this is so. This is this is the thing, right? We basically had the best chance that this archetype of tight end was ever going to have was probably Irv Smith because he went to Alabama and he was drafted in round two. And it didn't work out, right? At all. Um, so Chigakonkwa was like the worst prospect, Irv Smith. And he hit an awesome efficiency season. I, I think that he has utility in an offense where he can be kind of a matchup nightmare. You split him up as an H-back and he gets on the linebacker and he's faster than that linebacker and he moves down the field. The problem is, is like he just isn't that every now and guy. He's not the freak athlete. He lacks agility and he lacks size. And that's the biggest thing. When you are a six foot two tight end, you don't get to play in 11 personnel. I'm sorry, you don't. You don't get to because they put you on the field in 11 personnel and everybody knows they're passing because you're 6'2", 242. You're not blocking anybody. You're smaller than Chase Claypool. <laughs> um, right? Like, so it's just, that's a severe issue. And so I think he's always going to be a part-time guy. I think his, like, his realistic ceiling case is mostly to be a Robert Tunyon-esque player where he's running 50 to 60% of the routes in certain packages and he's efficient and he has these spike seasons, but then he becomes irrelevant. Like I, I just think it's going to be intermittent with Chig. Um, I, I mean, he could basically just be Johnny Smith who is ironically in Tennessee, right. Um, already and have kind of that same kind of like, Oh, he sparks up and he has some good numbers, but it's just never going to work out. I mean, I'm interested. Like I'm the tight end position is starved for enough upside that I'm willing to take a shot on just about anybody. But for the most part, I've sold about half my chig shares and I'm okay. If I get all the way down to being at market from what was once like 25 shares of Chica Conquo. Um, I, I think that it's, it's like a way thinner bet than Greg Dulcich, way thinner bet than Greg Dulcich. And Greg Dulcich is also undersized. But if you think about like but my Greg main Dulcich concern for like Greg Dulcich close, he's close. Right. And, and, but like, it's like a whole nother level, right? It's like, it's like, you know, it's like the Jameer Gibbs is undersized to Devin and Chain is undersized to Deuce Vaughn is undersized. It's like, yeah. okay, they're all undersized, but it's very different levels of undersized, right? Yeah. And it's like, we, the, I mean, the other nice thing with Dulcich is again, like he has the draft capital. He has the college production with Chig. It's like one of those things where it's like, 
literally all he has is this really high yards per run targets per run in this very small role. And it's like, what's more likely the small, tiny little sample is wrong or everything else about him is wrong. It's like, probably it's the small, tiny little sample that's wrong. Like if you just think about every possible tight end who goes through every single permutation, like one of the ones who runs 30% of the routes will eventually have two fifty yard plays. That's just kind of how randomness works, right? If you flip a coin a hundred times, each individual time, it's 50% chance it's going to be a heads or a tail. But if you flip 100 coins 100 times, in some of the 100 times, you're going to flip 70 heads. It's just like the way it's going to go, right? Like and you don't expect it, but it's going to happen. That doesn't mean that that coin is special. That just means that you've identified the coin that happened to flip heads more often. Chig is probably that coin um, where he happens to be the outlier that hits in the rookie year. Whereas more likely we're, we're not going to see that again. So I, I think um, I'm definitely team Greg Dulcich on this one. He's the more conventional prospect and, and there's a lot to like. I would definitely pay to move Chick to Greg Dulcich. And I'll, I'll say to this, the last thing, people are concerned about Sean Payton. He gave a vague quote that said, I have to watch Greg Dulcich, um, basically. <laughs> he was like, I need to see what's going on there. Or it's like, it's hard to watch him or something because everything was a mess. Um that was used by a beat reporter to suggest that they thought that the Denver Broncos were going to draft a tight end early. Uh, they didn't. They, they didn't. The only tight ends that they added were Chris Manhurt, who's basically a swing tackle. And then they traded for Adam Troutman. Uh, I don't know if you missed Greg Dulcich day on Twitter. I, I know that you did. People told me that the guy to own in Denver is Adam Troutman. And I wanted to ask you if you think that there's a possibility that the guy to own is Adam Troutman. I, uh, I do not think that is a possibility. And that's hilarious. And you remember that year that uh, the Saints literally had like nobody over, I don't know, like an 18% target share? Adam Troutman was on that team and had like a, I, I swear it was like 11%. I don't have it in front of me, but I remember thinking it was embarrassingly low. And yeah, that was nobody good on the team. Nobody was Yeah, because he's, he, he's never ran like over 50% of the routes. Like he plays snaps and sometimes he runs routes and sometimes he blocks. Like he's... He's mostly a blocking tight end, which, okay, I'll say this. It is possible that Greg Dulcich does not run a lot of routes, and one of the players who plays on the field when Greg Dulcich is not on the field is Adam Troutman. Like that's, it's possible that Greg Dulcich busts, and that one of the reasons he busts is he doesn't have rough routes, and then he's not running routes, and Adam Troutman is the one on the field. That, that's like conceivable. In that world, Adam Troutman still sucks. Like all that means is that then they've just decided we don't care about getting receiving production out of the tight end position. We're going to use it as a sixth offensive lineman. We're going to rotate Troutman and Manhurst and all the targets are going to Judy and Sutton and whoever else. Like that's that world, right? The world in which they want to have receiving production out of the tight end, it's it's Greg Dulcich. Frankly, it's more likely to be Albert O than it is to be Adam Troutman. And it's not very likely to be Albert O. I was just going to say the hilarious thing about this uh, Chig Aconquo thing this chig thing is that it reminds me almost to a t the albert oh man like what is, except what albert is, o was like actually better than chig like he actually like had somewhat of a college profile and he wasn't six two yeah 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 but it's the same thing like super high target rate super low snap rate super efficient on the targets that he ran and yeah i just it's 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 eerily similar the same arguments being made in both cases the difference of course is that i would much rather have alberto in in that 
circumstance coming out of year one. Like, right. can, like not even, yeah, easily Albert O. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, I like Albert O feels like a sneaky buy to me at this point. He's, he's free and yeah, I agree. nobody cares about him. And he's 25 years old and he's 6'6 six, six, and he's 258. All the, all the things people loved about him for the first three years, of, true. two years yeah. of his career right. are still there. The only thing we learned about him since is that a coach who's no longer there didn't want to play him. Yeah. Yeah. And, right. and a coach, coach, and, and, and a coach by the way, said. who we all think sucks, right? Like, but, right, exactly. And like, I, I would infer that, well, honestly, earlier in the off season, I actually thought it was a pretty decent chance that Albert O like might actually be the starting tight end for the Broncos. Not, not pretty decent as in over 50, but like 10%, just because I, mean, I looked at chance. it and it's like, Dulcich is pretty small. I was like, what if they don't want to do a tight end platoon like they kind of did last year where it was like Dulcich played almost all the passing snaps and then they used other tight ends on the run snaps. And I've, I've always just thought that's a stupid way to use personnel because I just don't think it's good to use personnel packages that tell the defense when you're running and when you're passing. Yeah, um, I so I was like, what if they use the 6'5", 256 guy instead of the 6'3 guy? And then they went out and signed Chris Manhurts and they traded for Adam Troutman, which to me is like really bullish for Greg Dulcich because what do you want if you're a I can only play in receiving packages tight end? You want to be paired with an I can only play in blocking packages tight end, right? Yeah. Like when the Jaguars went out and got Chris Manhurts last year, I was like, yes, <laughs> that's exactly what yeah, you want. That guy is a swing tackle, right? So to me, like to me, the fact that they kept adding to their tight end room with players who compliment Dulcich tells me Albert O is probably not in their plans, but you also never know what their plans are, right? It could change. And I think more likely Albert O is like a guy who's going to wind up on a team somewhere and maybe get a shot. And I'm still like semi-interested. So I, he's a great guy to like take in the 30th round of your startup for sure. Yeah. And like also tight ends are weird, man. Tight ends break out at 28 all the time. Like, Oh yeah. And also if Albert O is like, I don't know, on the Broncos, and then Greg Dolchich gets hurt, and all they have is swing tackles left. Albert O could be on the field. Right. And maybe Russell Wilson likes Albert O. Russell Wilson like passed to that one guy in Seattle a whole bunch, and he was awful. What was Will Disley, name? Big Montana. Will Disley, yeah. Yeah, he passed to Will Disley like, <laughs> repeatedly, and that guy was awful. So like well, he threw to Albert O when Albert O played. Remember like whenever they fired Hackett and then the new coach came in and they were like, I don't know why we never played this guy. And then they like played yeah. him and caught a touchdown immediately. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like yeah. it's possible, is all I'm saying. Right. And if it happens to any degree, people are gonna look at it and be like, Oh right. man, remember this guy's six six five eight and runs a four five nine? Oh, and he was super efficient for his first two years. Yeah, it's it's Albert O season. Let's go. And we have an absolutely easily bankable second round pick coming back yeah. that we got for waivers. So yeah. like Albert and, and this o is, is the, an attractive. This is the fashion. this is the key thing to know about like the Sean Payton thing is like everybody's downgrading Dulcich because of like one really vague Payton quote that was like not bullish, but it like didn't wasn't really bearish. And all it was being used in article was to say that they might do something they didn't do. Um Here's the other thing about Sean Payton. His tight ends are fucking awesome. <laughs> like, like, I mean, they're Jimmy Graham. Like, but they're not just Jimmy Graham. Like, Jared Cook had one of his best seasons ever with Sean Payton. Benjamin Watson had his best season ever with Sean Payton. Like, Sean Payton has had good tight end seasons with total bums. Jared Cook came from the Raiders to the Saints, and he did like the same thing with the Raiders, though, didn't he? Yeah, 
but yeah. he had a really good season with the Saints, and that's a pretty yeah. similar type of tight end. Him being good at football, though, he's okay at football. I mean, like he, he had like a, a very freak. long career. He was, he was Albert O. Like he was a super freak, wasn't he? Right, but I'm saying like right. Yeah. But here's the here's the thing. Broke what at like 28, like, like you're saying. Right, but if you're like comparing guys to Greg Dulcich, where it's like, oh, like this guy's kind of situational. Like he's really more of like a receiving only tight end. Like he's not like a complete like that is Jared Cook. Mm-hmm. Right, like Jared, like that was the thing on Jared Cook was like he couldn't really find a home. Like he started off in, I can't remember the order of things, but he spent time in Tennessee and with the Rams. And I can't remember if he started in Tennessee and went to the Rams or if it was the Rams in Tennessee. But he like could never really find a home. And then he found one with the Raiders for a bit. And then he found one with the Saints. Like he, Jared Cook played a lot of years, and in most of them he was useless. And in one of the years that he wasn't useless, it was with Sean Payton. And he's like the exact type of player as Greg Dulcich. We also saw Benjamin Watson. Again, like Benjamin Watson played a million years in the NFL. And yeah. his best year by a lot was with the New Orleans Saints. And then this guy didn't work out. But Sean Payton went out of his way to acquire Kobe Fleener, who didn't do anything with the Saints. Oh, yeah. And he got hurt immediately. But like Kobe Fleener is exactly also this type of tight end, right? This like purely a receiving option tight end. Like So Sean Payton does he's like this type think. of tight end. He's got a tight. Like he he likes this type of tight end. So it's yeah. weird to me that people like don't think he would like Greg Dulcich when historically he's always gone out of his way to get exactly this type of Greg Dulcichy tight end. Um, yeah, and and so anyway, and then the other thing is like, oh, it's Adam Trumman's guy. Adam Trumman had 434 receiving yards in two years with Sean Payton. If that's Sean Payton's guy, like maybe it's his guy that he likes seeing him around. Maybe he enjoys his personality. Maybe he thinks he's a good blocker. It's not his guy to throw to. He didn't throw to him before. He's not going to throw to him now. Adam yeah, Trump, it's going to be a hard pass. One of the most ridiculous people on the in fantasy world. Um, let's do let's do one other uh, team that has cycled through the days, right? Cycled through the days. <sighs> Jacksonville Jaguars. We've had two days devoted to the Jacksonville Jaguars. One of them, we'll start with the running backs, was the Travis Etienne versus Tank Bigsby day, in which. I think is one of the weirdest false choices that we've ever had. Um, what are your thoughts on Travis Etienne? Because we've talked about Tank a little bit more specifically with the rookie draft. So let's start on this from the Etienne perspective. What are your current thoughts on Travis Etienne after the addition of Tank Bigsby in this backfield as a whole? Well, I think that Etienne is kind of like, I, it's funny. I, I've always kind of had this opinion of him that he's not like a true. Um, like grinder running back, like he's more of like a finesse um, efficiency type running back. And then uh, I don't know, for some reason that's always just stuck with me from that standpoint. And then they drafted like another running back who's probably pretty good, whose name is Tank, which probably is not very finessey. And I'm like, this seems like a like a thunder and lightning type of situation. And I'm like, that's actually probably what's good for ETN. As long as he gets to be the pass catcher of the two, I think he's going to do really well. I I don't know that he's going to be, you know, breaking fantasy in a Christian McCaffrey-esque way, but like, I think he's going to be a wide or a running back one. Like, I I think that's, that's very possible. This offense is also probably going to be pretty freaking good this year. And I'm just like, I'm kind of excited for Travis ETN. I'm not like, over the moon necessarily like uh if they didn't have if they had not drafted tank bigsby i'd be more bullish on travis Etienne. Right. For sure. but i'm not like writing him off like this is a death sentence for travis Etienne. uh i think it could be like i'm, I'm certainly not like 
thinking he's he's scot free here. They didn't draft Deuce McAllister or anything like that. No, no who's that? Which Deuce? Who the heck is Deuce? Oh, Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn. Deuce McAllister is an old running back. You don't. Yeah, Deuce I was like, I was. I know who Deuce McAllister is, but like he hasn't <laughs> played NFL football in a decade. Oh, probably longer. <laughs> Anyway, he was he still on the team when they drafted Reggie Bush? I think he might have been. Uh, I don't think so. Maybe it's been a long Possibly. time for Deuce McAllister, though. Possibly. That's a pullback. Yeah. Anyway, they didn't draft Deuce Vaughn, so like it's certainly not or Deuce McAllister <laughs> or Deuce McAllister. That would have been even worse. <laughs> Great for Etienne. He's competing against the fifty-two-year-old. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess. Like, I got to think he still got something left in the tank though for drafting. Him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyways, like I think I, I'm just like I'm lukewarm on ETN. I, I I would listen to a trade if somebody wanted to trade him to me. I would use him to get into a player that I really really like if somebody wanted to unload one of those really really awesome players. And otherwise, I'm probably just sitting on ETN and seeing how it all plays out. I think uh, between ETN and Tank, like I think if one of them gets hurt, it's wheels up for the other guy. Like I think yeah. this is one of those situations where we probably get full-blown workhorse if one of them is removed from the situation rather than backup comes in like the backups backup comes in and we we still keep splitting and then uh as far as tank goes like i can't believe how cheap tank is so just give them to me like i want them in every team in every draft in every format i just want tank on my squad and I think the very simple explanation is show me a bad running back named Tank. Call. We can we can leave it at that. Like that's as far as you need to go. Perfect call. I love that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> show me a bad running back named Tank. Absolutely not. I can't show you a bad running back named Tank. How could I? Um, anyhow. I just think the biggest thing that people miss about this is I just don't think that you actually have to pick a team here. Like, I don't think that the most attractive part of Tank Bigsby's range of outcomes is like whether he takes 45% of the work or 35% of the work from Travis Etienne. Like, these are just varying degrees of uselessness. Like, I don't really care that much about it. Like, okay, from like a really long-term dynasty perspective, I, I guess his range of outcomes somewhat depends on Travis Etienne in that best case scenario for Tank Bigsby is he plays himself eventually over a two-year period more or less to a draw with Travis Etienne such that they decide we don't need to pay Travis Etienne. We're going to let him walk and Tank Bigsby is going to be our starter moving forward. Like that's probably the best long-term option. In the intermediate, I don't care why you think about Travis Etienne, but he is the most talented running back on this team currently until proven otherwise. And he was a extremely efficient rusher last year. He was a very effective rusher and not just from a boom bust perspective. Like you look throughout the numbers, he was high success rate running back. He was a high yards after contact running back. He was a high yards over expectation running back. Every aspect of running the ball, he performed really well on. It would not behoove them to give him a bunch of less carries. To me, all the people that are saying he needs to have a lot less carries are just people who didn't like him as a prospect. And frankly, I think we're mostly incorrect. I don't think that Travis Etienne is a perfect running back. I think he is somewhat mistake prone. Uh, and certainly in the receiving game, there was, I think, a, a worthy debate over, <clears throat> is he the type of receiver that he showed to be in his last year at Clemson? 
Um, or was that kind of just a mirage of them wanting to get an explosive player out in space? And his first year would show that in that count, the film grinders were probably correct. It was probably just a mirage to get him out in space because he was not a very impressive um, receiver from a volume perspective, although he was very efficient as a receiver in rookie year, which makes sense because what is he good at? He's great at being explosive in space, um, not necessarily a natural route runner, not necessarily a natural uh, hands catcher. Um, the weird thing is that I think sometimes people like to just whatever running back that they don't like, they just automatically put the traits that that running back lacks onto whoever the other running back is without actually inspecting any of the traits of the other running back. Like to me, it's like people look at tank or look at ETN and they're like, not good enough in short yardage and you can't rely on him in the past game, like takes too many risks. And that's why they're going to go with reliable tank Bigsby. And it's like, have you ever watched tank Bigsby? Cause that's not actually tank Bigsby. Like I, I would not describe him in that way. I would actually describe him as a running back who does take a lot of risks in the run game and is a boomer bust runner um, and a running back who is an adequate pass catcher, but not an acceptable pass catcher. Like I wouldn't look at Tank Bigsby of all of the running backs in this class. Tank Bigsby is not the running back who I would say is the one who most compliments Travis Etienne. In fact, I think like I compared Tank Bigsby coming out of college to Tevin Coleman who is ironically who a lot of people who don't like Travis Etienne compare Travis Etienne to. <laughs> like that was me. That, right. Like I actually think that they're more similar than they are different. I, I actually think it's more like we want to kind of have the same style of back who fits our system really well. And I think that Tank does fit the system really well and be able to use that back 100% of the time instead of having to mess around with Jamichael Hastie's and Dearness Johnson's who aren't NFL players. So to me, that's where I look at. I don't actually think it's going to be this really neat split of roles that people are kind of assuming that it's going to be, which to me makes both backs really exciting in the sense that I think ETN does have a pretty legit ceiling. I don't think that we know enough about him. We've seen him play one season of NFL football and he had a really good prospect profile. I don't think it's like a crazy thing at all that in his second season, he becomes a lot better at the aspects that he's not currently perfect. I think that's really freaking plausible. And I think that if he's awesome, they'll just let him keep carrying the ball. I don't think that, that Tank Bigsby has to stop him. I also think Tank Bigsby is really exciting because we don't have to assume that everything we like about Travis Etienne is true once we're no longer eligible to draft Travis Etienne and we're now looking at drafting Tank Bigsby. Now we can invite those other aspects of the range of outcomes into things where he's not all that good and he's actually just Miles Sanders. And now we get to look at Tank Bigsby in a whole new light. And most of all, they each have a lot of contingent upside, right? One of these guys gets hurt. The other guy has no obvious cap on, on sort of what they can take over because they do, I think, each in their own way, have some level of plausible three-down upside, at least on a contingent basis. So I'm really into Tank Bigsby. He's my most drafted rookie in rookie drafts, uh, number one. It doesn't make me out on, on ETN. I don't think you have to be like out on ETN. I wouldn't describe myself as in on ETN either. I, I can just kind of see both sides of it. Um, but I'm really in on Bigsby. And I also just think people have been really weird about how they've talked about Travis Etienne for years. And it's become like a weird war on Twitter um, that has lost interest in the truth. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think I like, I, I think we should just rush on the boat. Like, I think you're making yeah. a really good point when you're talking about um, Tank Bigsby's like best long range, uh, plan is basically like the Austin Eckler, Tony Pollard type of thing where you're the the understudy who forces their right. hand and then the expensive guy gets moved on. 
And I think that's totally plausible for Tank Bigsby. And mm -hmm. I think we've only got potentially two more years of Travis Etienne. So I wouldn't expect Tanks Bigby to necessarily take all the work this year. But I, by year two, I wouldn't be shocked if we're looking at more of a 50-50 split. Uh, right now, I would probably expect like, it, and it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be like this guy is the short yardage guy and this guy is the yeah. long down and distance guy. I think it's going to be a series split. Like this I guy totally plays, agree with you. Yeah. Like uh, ETN plays two series and then Bigsby plays one or something like that. Yes. And some games we're going to get really high uh, usage for either like really high usage for ETN because his drives happen to be awesome. And then some games we're going to get really high usage for Bigsby because ETN's drive sold out and Bigsby had a couple of nice drives or what have you. And I think like it's going to be fairly, yeah, fairly even from that standpoint, from like a role perspective. Like I think Tank Bigsby is probably going to catch some passes. I don't think it's just going to be Travis ETN running out there every time there's there's a long down and distance or a third down or what have you. Like I, I think it's. It's just going to be kind of a, a weird, uneven split for what for now. And then someday it could be 50-50. And then someday it's probably ETN is put out to pasture and Bigsby takes over the role. Yeah, I think like, I mean, you just look at how some of these teams like, oh, first of all, I, I think that, that what you laid out is very possible, but I think it's mostly after Travis ETN. Like, I, I just don't think that the, I don't think that the 88th overall pick like demands the shape of how teams operate. I think that the 25th overall pick gets to decide that. Like, I think if Travis Etienne just comes out and he's everything we've ever hoped and dreamed of, then I think that whatever tags Bigsby is, is more or less irrelevant. Like, I think that, frankly, we've seen teams spend third round picks on running backs while having really good running backs that don't factor into shit, right? Yeah, we saw Alexander Madison back up behind Alan Cook. Darrington Evans was drafted behind Derrick Henry. Who cares? Like, mm -hmm. I think Tank Bigsby's better than those guys. I'm more interested in Tank Bigsby than those guys. But I think that if Tank Bigsby was the guy that the Vikings drafted behind Dalvin Cook, that wouldn't have meant that they were going to give Dalvin Cook less carries. Like, they still would have just given Dalvin Cook all the carries. So I think if Etienne is awesome, then Etienne's going to be awesome, and Bigsby is a contingent value guy. But, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of uncertainty there. And to some extent, there's signal in them deciding to, to pick him. But I think that there's also a signal in the type of back that they draft. Like you mentioned about the series. I totally agree. To me, if they were if they were like, ETN is good at some things and bad at some things, and we need a running back who's good at the things that ETN's bad at, they draft Roshan Johnson to me. Like that's the guy where it's like he's the big banger and he pass blocks. And so he's gonna be like the short yardage and third down guy, and ETN's gonna be between the twenties. I don't think that's tank. I think they i think he's more or less etn and we see teams operate very different styles of splits right like some split based on usage some split based on like very specific types of plays that they want to run like some guys get the outside zones and some guys get the inside zones and the other teams are like we don't want to give anything away so we basically want to have two running backs that we can use in all situations but we don't want to put 100 percent of the touches on any of them so we're just going to have all of our snaps covered with two backs who can do everything. To me, that's this backfield. Like I think they're going to be yeah. used similarly when they're on the field and ETN is going to be on the field more and then Tank's going to be on the field. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think, yeah, like I take Bigsby's prices. It's just, it's insane not to roster. Oh, it's him. a smash. It's a smash I, for sure. I mean, I think it's just, he's, 
to me, I don't even think you have to think about Travis Etienne to get in on Shank Bigsby. To me, the case no, is I think Shank Bigsby is a good prospect. He got day two capital. He goes to a great offense, and there's several outs, right? It's like there's contingent value outs. There's Travis Etienne's not that good outs. There's two years from now outs. There's all the outs. Uh, it's just that I want to bet on Bigsby because I'm interested in the talent, and, I'm, and, and he plays with the Jags. That's an offense we want people on. Isn't that funny to say out loud? Imagine ten years ago, right? Like, whoa. Although they've had a lot of good running backs over the time, right? Yeah, like JD, Fred Taylor, Leonard Dude. Fournette. Like they've they've had a lot of fantasy RB one seasons for a really sad sack team. Oh yeah. Oh, Maybe yeah. they have that because they draft running backs at four overall when they suck, and then and then at twenty fifth overall when they already have a like reasonably good UDFA <laughs> yeah. that just pops. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe if maybe they just keep having good running back seasons because they just keep drafting running backs, and maybe that's also why they've been so bad. <laughs> Could play into it. Yeah, uh, but no, I like it. Um, last thing we'll talk about, also a Jaguar uh, take. Um, we saw a little bit of a debate start today. I quote tweeted something that was on the subject of Calvin Ridley versus I don't, Christian I just, Kirk. Let's stop there for a second. I don't think you should be quote tweeting people on Twitter. It makes them upset. Oh well. I will continue to do it. Um, <laughs> um, what did you quote uh, tweet? Tell me. Oh, I, I was actually a pretty respectful quote tweet. So oh. uh, football, this, of course, is a dynasty show. This was a redraft um, take, but I, I think we can really talk about it in either sense. Um, frankly, I, I think the conversation is mostly the same. Um, and said, uh, I was from football guys. And it said, drafters prefer Calvin Ridley to Christian Kirk. Our experts prefer Kirk to Ridley. Who's right? And I said, I think it's. I think the experts are right in over 50% of the outcomes, meaning Kirk would be better. But if one of these players is going to be a top five wide receiver this year, it's definitely not going to be Christian Kirk. Give me Ridley every day and twice on Sundays. Um, and some people agree with this. Some people disagree with this. Uh, seems like every expert at this point, it's like one of those things where it's an interesting enough um, battle that, uh, you know, in like a presidential campaign where it's like there's like a few issues that every candidate needs to have their their side on record. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, like, uh, I'm pro-choice, you know, I'm pro-cap and trade, I'm anti-cap and trade, whatever the issues are of the day. This is one of those in the fantasy streets. Everybody needs to declare officially for House Ridley, declare for House Kirk. Uh, everybody has some sort of graphic of them saying something on a podcast. This is our chance. Uh, who are you declaring for? Of course, for those that don't know, Drew is the preeminent Christian Kirk scholar in the fantasy streets. I don't think anybody likes Christian Kirk more. So I can only assume that, of course, you are backing Christian Kirk. It is true that I am the preeminent Christian Kirk scholar in the fantasy streets. However, in this particular instance, I think that would be... Like, we just saw Christian Kirk play with breakout Trevor Lawrence and pretty much not a whole lot else like zay jones and marvin jones and evan ingram who are all fine football players and he put up like i don't know wide receiver 18 somewhere around there like he was a mid-range wide receiver two which is good like where we were getting him two years ago for like the last honestly like after his rookie year it just like plummeted down to earth and we've just been buying him so cheap for the last several years, and then we get a wide receiver two finish. And then there's a saying, pigs get slaughtered, and basically what it means is don't get greedy. Is that a saying? 
Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's. I'm from it Saskatchewan. Feels like a sad commentary on the pork industry. Yeah, it's. I'm from Saskatchewan. We're pretty crude out there, and pigs get slaughtered. And basically, what it means is that if you are greedy, don't get over greedy. Like we got what we came for. We got our wide receiver two season. Now we we sail off in the sunset and we go get Calvin Ridley, because if Calvin Ridley hits, it's probably better than what Christian Kirk did. He's probably not going to be. Like, I, I don't think that's a necessary likely outcome, but it's not priced like it's a likely outcome either. So I'm fine with it. But it's really hard to envision that Christian Kirk is better next year than he was this year. Like, I, I don't really know how you can construct yeah. any rationale to that being the case other than Trevor Lawrence, like, breaking passing records. Like, that, I guess that's in the range of outcomes, but I just, I wouldn't be betting on it. And therefore, I'm probably just going to go ahead and bet on Ridley with a little bit of the appeal of the unknown. Like, it could be a boat in the box. Who knows? And if it is, then I'm going to be really happy. But Christian Kirk's definitely not a boat in the box. So, yeah, I don't know. I Like, Christian Kirk's just a super – he's just a floor play in a game where floor plays don't really make a difference to whether or not you won or not. If you want to get wide receiver two production, you can probably do it for a lot less than what you're going to pay for Christian Kirk right now. Right. That's this is to me again a false choice in the sense that like you aren't actually deciding Calvin Ridley or Christian Kirk. You're deciding Calvin Ridley or anybody else, including Christian Kirk, and Christian Kirk or anybody else, including Christian Kirk. And there's obviously a lot of players you can select that are neither Calvin Ridley nor Christian Kirk. And ultimately, to me, what this comes down to is what do you think of Calvin Ridley? Because to me, that's the important part. The last full season we saw out of Calvin Ridley, he had a 25.8% target share and he had over 40% of the air yards. He was first in the NFL and weighted opportunities. Um, that was an actual alpha wide receiver. He was the wide receiver for overall in that season, over 18 points per game. Christian Kirk never that threatened Matt Ryan that. passed a lot of footballs that year. Oh, for sure he did. Um, but I think Trevor was going to pass a lot of, yeah. Pass a lot of right. footballs this pass year. All those so. footballs. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, of course, he came back the next year, and I don't know, I guess you can kind of make what you want out of his five games in 2021. You can either say it was incredible that he had a 30% target share and over 40% of the air yards and was first in the entire NFL and expected fantasy points per game, or you can say it was terrible that he had 5.7 yards per target, um, or you can say it was five games when he was extremely depressed and injured by his own account, um, and uh, it was five games, so you can probably mostly ignore it. But at the very least, you can use it to say that he continued to earn a bunch of volume, at least, um, like he was doing in 2021, so, or 2020. More or less, the last time we saw Ridley on the field, he was a top five wide receiver in terms of his usage, and he was able to do that over uh, one season and a little bit of an underseason. Christian Kirk had his best season of his career, and he was the wide receiver 18 in points per game. He had 14.3 points per game. Um, now, he will be in the exact same offense, the same quarterback, the same coach, and the only difference is that one of the wide receivers he's running a route against every play used to be Marvin Jones, and now it's Calvin Ridley. And whatever you think of Calvin Ridley, I, I can almost promise you he's better than Marvin Jones, um, or at least this version of Marvin Jones. So I just don't really see how you can be super excited about Christian Kirk. Um, it, it's really hard to construct a result that isn't he just runs extremely hot on touchdowns or something in which he is better than he was last year and so therefore the relevant question to me is what do you want to do with calvin ridley and i guess that's kind of up to you like 
I don't know. We're talking about making a guess on is this guy good in a situation that we've basically never seen before? Like we don't really have a sample of players returning from year and a half long gambling related uh, absences. So couldn't tell you, like I, I can tell you this though, if Calvin Ridley is just Calvin Ridley, then he's basically Stefan Diggs that you can draft in round seven. Um, and if he's not Calvin Ridley, then maybe you just lit a round seven pick on fire, but that's fine. Um, to my exact tweet that I uh, posted, somebody replied with, um, yeah, but who's more likely to leave the team by week seven? Which is like, first of all, just a stupid comment. Um, but second of all, it's like, you probably shouldn't be making decisions at the wide receiver position based on who is more likely to fall below wide receiver two production because wide receiver two production is pretty relevant. So you should probably be doing it based on who's more likely to have wide receiver one uh, production. So I'm, I'm in on Ridley Acosta for sure. And I, I don't know, like I don't really care about Kirk Acosta either way. He's fine. Not great. Not great. Yeah. I, like I, this is kind of the same, not, not exactly the same thing, but it's a similar thing where Calvin Ridley got suspended and then we went and bought him low a whole bunch of places. And now we're just, riding the wave on the way back up and if i can get like a use calvin ridley to get into a player i really like i'm gonna do it and if i can't then i'm just gonna hold ridley and hope for the best and i don't think that calvin like calvin ridley may not be a top five wide receiver this year but i don't think he's gonna be like a non-starting nfl wide receiver (laughs) And like, like I, I don't think that his skills are going to be completely gone after sitting out a year and a half due to suspension. So, like, yeah, I, I'll, I'm fine with buying Calvin Ridley. I'm fine holding Christian Kirk. I'm probably not going to in a whole lot of places, but like, I think it's fine. I, I think he's priced tremendously outrageous or anything. That's yeah, that's the price you pay for a wide receiver too. Like, it's fine. The other thing with Calvin Ridley, though, is that he's pretty old. Like, I think he's like 28 or 29 right now. Yeah, he'll be turning 29 this year. Yeah, so, like, I don't know. It's fine. He's probably going to be a wide receiver, too. Yeah, I mean, you really need with Ridley, like, this is the thing with Ridley to pay off. It's like, really what it comes down to is, like, how optimistic are you on him being what he was the last time we saw him? Because if he's what he was the last time we saw him, and he plays with Lawrence, then, like I said, it's like probably you're getting like Stefan Diggs level production and you're getting a pretty massive discount on it. And it doesn't really matter how old he is because you're getting mm-hmm. wide receiver one level difference taking production. If he's just a wide receiver two, he's probably overpriced. Um, and if he like can't play football anymore, then I, I guess he's terrible. I, I think that's probably pretty unlikely. Um, so it really just kind of comes down to like how high of a chance do you think he is at that elite ceiling? But I just look around at the board of like players where he goes and it's like, it's really him and Hopkins to me that have like a viable case for being actually elite producers at that range of the draft. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a few other guys that have some pretty high ceilings. If things break, right. Like I think Chris Godwin and Terry McLaurin are going in that range. Um, See, I think like, I think they have like theoretical ceilings in the sense that, like if the world changed around them, they have the requisite talent. But like Chris Godwin is not going to be a wide receiver one with Baker Mayfield. Like, sorry. Uh, what? 
I, I mean, look, I, I guess I shouldn't, I mean, I'm probably more into McLaurin just from the standpoint of like, I think Sam Howell's bad, but I don't know he's bad. I know Baker's bad. Yeah, I think like, and Brandon Ayuk's going right around there too. And I'm like, yeah, like I don't think that Brandon Ayuk is going to dominate this year, but like crazy things happen. He might get traded. You know, like there's there's other guys that have ceiling. Like Chris Godwin might get traded. Like there's other guys that have a range of outcomes that's like unpredictable. But I think that Calvin Ridley has a range of outcomes that doesn't require unpredictable. He just has to not have, you know, diminished his skills in his year off, which he wasn't hurt. So he's probably mentally healthier now than he was then and potentially is the same that he was before he left. So I like, I, I think he's a perfectly fine pick. And I think that you would really be foolish to pick Christian Kirk over, over him. Uh, and like the other thing too is Calvin really has a higher ceiling and Calvin really, if he hits that ceiling has a much higher value range as well. Because right. Christian Kirk isn't going to go up if he just does the same thing he did this year. Like he, well, he other, this is him. Well, and the other He's nice thing about Ridley is, is like gone. it's going to happen. It's going to happen fast. And like, I mean, there's almost two outs to Ridley because okay, what did we just talk about with Chicago? Right? It's like sometimes, actually, you know, what we talked about before the show even started was we talked about was we're talking about Baker Mayfield. And we were like, do you think Baker Mayfield was ever actually good? Or, like, did he just run hot for long enough that we thought he was probably good? Um, and I don't know the answer to that. But it's undeniably true that, like, things can seem true while not being true in small samples, right? It seems like Chickaconquo is one of the most efficient tight ends in the league based on that small sample. Based on literally 30 it, receptions. Right. It, it may not, in fact, be true. Um Calvin Ridley, like everybody mostly agrees on what the deal is with Calvin Ridley, right? It's like he used to be an elite wide receiver one. He missed a year and a half. We have no idea what he is now. If he comes out week one and he has seven catches for 100 yards and a touchdown, people will be like, oh, we got our answer. He's an elite wide receiver one. And like maybe he even isn't, right? Like maybe he actually is just a wide receiver two who happened to get hot. If Christian Kirk comes out and has like Christian Kirk last year, right? He had to have a lot of games in a row for people to really adjust their priors on Christian Kirk because, and for, for like a reasonable enough reason, like if a player who has been one thing for a long period of time, then looks like they're another thing. People are like, okay, are they actually another thing or are they just getting hot? Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. But with Calvin Ridley, like it's going to be instant. Like he has one really great week early season. I think people jump out to best case scenario immediately. Because it'd be a lot more plausible. And at that point, like you don't even have to hold. You can just immediately sell if you want to, right? Um, And and I mean, and frankly, I would probably be on the side of saying he probably is just back to what he was, but then it doesn't even matter, right? Then it doesn't even matter. Then you're you're at least getting the reality that he is just exactly what he did. Mm -hmm. And you probably get a decent runway off the top too, right? Like it's pretty, let's say he's like, I don't know, four catches or 50 yards. We're going to be like, well, he needs a little bit of time to get back to his team. Like, I, I don't know. I just think you're going to get a little bit of forgiveness in the market out of Ridley, but you're, you're also going to get just immediate smash by he's back um, if he crashes. That's all I have for the regular schedule. Oh, Honestly, one it. other thing, I don't even know if you have to wait. 
for week one. Like, I think if we get into training camp and he's making all kinds of plays, mm. like, I think people are going to be like, oh, he's back. And you can sell right. at that point for a tidy profit. That and if nice. we get into training camp and Christian Kirk is making all kinds of plays, nobody's going to care. It's <laughs> very true. It's <laughs> very, very true. Um, okay, that um, that's the end of our regularly scheduled program. Do you have anything else to add? It's 11 p.m. Pacific time, so I'm hoping I'm hoping you don't. I have no further comments. All right, honor. where can people find you, Drew? You can find me on Twitter at DFBCounter. You can find me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash bulletproofff. And then we have the website, which is freaking amazing, which is bulletproofff.com. So you should go on there and check it out. There's some free stuff like the ADP, which is like to die for. Incredible. Um, you can find me in the Bulletproof Discord. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Sanderson. And, of course, you can find me um, Full Tilt Podcast Network. And most of all, you can find me on Substack, jacobsanderson.substack.com, thinking about thinking. Uh, we've mostly wrapped our dynasty-heavy portion of the Substack with all of the Ricky content, but we are pivoting to best ball summer. So I put up my introductory best ball uh, article out this past week. We'll have more coming quite shortly. Excited for all that. And I will also say that I will have some Dynasty rankings for the people who are still fully in the throes of Dynasty season. We'll have some Dynasty rankings up there in collaboration with a couple of uh, really cool folks that you'll hear about quite soon. Uh, so, yeah, keep tuned to that. And uh, make sure, of course, stay tuned to Sweat and Bullets. We'll be back shortly enough to uh, keep you abreast of all of the twists and turns in the Dynasty market all summer long have a lovely evening morning afternoon whenever it is you're listening to this fine show